This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, we promised you Joe Klecko, and he's here. Joe, of course, was he was the Swiss Army knife of defensive linemen, which should be great, except, you know what, it may be a reason he's not been enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You see, Joe was a pro bowl player at three different positions, the only player ever to do that on defense, and one of only two, along with Frank Gifford, to do it at all. But that versatility, and I know this seems odd, but it seems to have contributed to his failure to reach the Pro Football Hall of Fame. At least we believe it has. And we wanted an expert's opinion. So we got an expert. We asked Joe if he would come on the show, and he agreed. Joe, thanks for being here. Let's qualify the expert first. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope I'm an expert at something. I don't know what it is yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. We're about to find out. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, Joe. We'll cut right to the chase. As Clark pointed out, you're the only defensive lineman to make the Pro Bowl in three different positions, and many think that hurt you rather than helped you in the Hall of Fame. Do you believe that maybe that versatility hurt you in that regard? Uh, because it's so difficult to compare you to you know defensive all the defensive ends in the hall or all the tackles. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, you know, I think uh, it kind of like Joe Delamalor brought it to my attention when somebody asked him that. One of the voters had asked him that, and he said, "You know, well, we don't know what he is." And uh, Joe, of course, Joe, who's a passionate guy at everything, was I'm sure you guys know. Yeah. Uh, you know, had, a, had an absolute hernia over it, and he, you know, he explained it. How could you dominate at three different positions and not understand that, you know, uh, the guys that played against, that I played against, you know, you know, they're the voices, I guess, that, you know, are not heard as much because I guess as a, as a reporter or as a analyst or as a person that, you know, watches the game, it couldn't possibly understand, you know, what, what I would be. But when Joe said, you know, uh, you know, it's not that, he played the three different positions. It says he dominated it, you know, and and I think that was a big uh, 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 statement by Joe because you know to bring it out of the woodwork because you know a lot of guys were hung up on that. Okay, Joe, you were a nose tackle, a tackle, and an end. Which one were you best at, and why? Well, I like three different. Th- I like different things about the the three different positions. My quickness at nose tackle. Because of the way I played it, you know, Bud Carson came in and he put me in a cock nose stance like he did with Joe Green. But with Joe Green, Joe Green played it in a four-man line. And all Joe had to do was cover that one gap and take off the ball. And, you know, uh, I had to take care of both A-gaps. And people would say, well, Joe, how did you do that? Like if you would line up on the right or the left, how did you take care of the opposite side? Well, my quickness... And then my strength involved with it got so, you know, I guess an advantageous part for me that it the centers couldn't fire out because basically if they fired out, I'd go right by them the other way. And they couldn't stand there because I was strong enough to just run them over. So I gave them fits on all these things I would do. And then, of course, at that time, Bud allowed me a lot of freedom. You know what I mean? So... You know, I, I think in my first year there, I had 10 sacks from the nose tackle position, which I think, you know, people would say was unheard of because of how I did it. And then at the end, I enjoyed my 
being short. Reason <laughs> being is, you know, Anthony Munoz used to refer to it, you know, I had this perfect technique he would talk about getting my hands inside. Well, what it was was these guys stood two, three, four inches taller than I was. And when I came off the ball, I stayed as low as I could anyway. You couldn't get under me. You, you, you couldn't do it. It was like almost impossible. And then again, there came that point where if I was, I had the strength to run you over, and if you would sit down and take me on, I'd run right around you. So I, I made a, a living out of both sides of it. Now, at defensive tackle, that was really basically a basic position that I thought my techniques were. Uh, that That's where I really uh, honed my techniques, I thought, at tackle, because, you know, I, I never let anybody get their hands in on me first, and I would always control whoever I was playing against. And uh, I remember John Hanna saying that to me one time, you know, that uh, I could never get to you. In other words, get into me or get around either side of me because I would come off the ball with my hands so quickly. So there was, you know, all three different things were advantageous. But the most, what I liked the most, and this is probably sickening, I love the nose tackle position. <laughs> because, yeah, because, you know, you know, I'd go to get doubled sometimes and stuff like that. And I'd get away so quick and get off the ball, they wouldn't even touch me. And it would drive them nuts, you know. And then all I had to do was make them mad. And then they wanted to fire off so hard on me, and I'd make a sidestep one or the other, I wouldn't even be there. <laughs> so it, it really became a game with me at nose tackle to where I'd fire off the ball and bang. I was, I was stacking the whole thing up right there in the middle. My linebackers used to look, you know, I remember, I don't remember which one it was. We are actually playing New England. And uh, I went down inside at tackle, and uh, you know I always worried about winning. Winning was winning was it, because I always wanted to wear a Super Bowl ring, and that's one of the toughest things I have to deal with now. My son has three, and I have none. You know that's a very hard thing to, for a father to deal with. You know, and uh, I remember playing, and we're down, and I was playing left tackle that game, and whoever it was were trying to what they call scoop me. You know, look back. I would never let that happen. I'd yank them down by their face mask. I'd pull them apart, I, or I'd get to the point first, you know. And my linebackers, because they, they didn't have this for a while, they're going, way to go, clack. You know, it's like yelling behind you like a movie. And, uh, you know, I always worried about keeping them guys clean because really, to me, in the run game, of course, the linebackers are the key because they're going to get the ball quicker standing up than you are. But a lot of times, like I, I know I led the team in tackle two years in a row. So, at, so there's a, there's a there's a definite side of me that enjoyed in in, and then there's a definite side of me that enjoyed out. You know, you had this sort of weirdness of of not only being a late round draft pick in the NFL, but you had to play semi pro football just to get to go to college. And <laughs> you know, I've always sort of wanted to. You know, I was told you played under the assumed name of Jim Jones for the uh, uh, Aston Knights there in Pennsylvania. So now that the statute of limitations have lapsed, did you get paid or did you not get paid? <laughs> no, 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 I was never really paid, no. Really? We, all we got was the dinner. You know, listen, I was like a giddy kid. You know, I really missed football. when I was out, I was out one year out of high school and I missed it. And, he, and one of the guys who was an old-time high school player of mine, friend of mine, you know, he was a coach. He said, Joe, why don't you come out with these guys, you know? I'll tell you a funny story very seriously. I pulled up to the, the field, you know, it was just no stands or not, just the field. And I pulled up in a car, and I these all these guys out there, big guys. And I'm like, to my wife, 
who was my girlfriend at the time. I said, I'm not going out there. And she actually took my keys and she threw them out the window. <laughs> I cursed My wife does that all the time. <laughs> so what I did was I, I had to go out and get them. And when I went out to get them, this guy, his name was Moose Moran, he called me, hey, Joe, come on over. And I'm like, I'm looking at my wife going, I'm going to kill you. you know, like, And you know what? It, it was the best thing ever happened to me because when I played semi-pro football, really, Wayne Harden came out to watch me play one quarter and give me a full scholarship. At that time, you didn't have to have all the things for the NCAA. You just needed a C average to be entering the college. And I had that, so it was easy. So then I went, to, that's how I got to go to Temple. Wow. Joe, i got a question for you. How, how frustrating is it to be a Hall of Fame caliber player Wait 25 years, and there's nothing you can do to help your cause. You're, you're relying on other. How frustrating is it to, to, to be overlooked like that? Well, can I tell you the honest truth? It's not frustrating yeah. at all for me. It's not frustrating one bit. Reason being is because, you know, I, you know, uh, to me, it's, it's in God's hands. You know, I love all the guys. They're, they're all friends of mine and everything. Everybody touts it to be I should be there. But the thing about it is, for me, is really, I enjoyed the game. I am a student of the game. I love the game. To be in the Hall of Fame would be, of course, the piece de resistance. You know, you have your, you know, Red Grange, Bronco Nagurski, Chuck Benarek, who, of course, I, you know, idolized. I was from Philadelphia because I always uh, wanted to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, you know, to be in the, the Football Hall of Fame would just be tremendous. That's why I keep the, the, the you know, the memory of it, the whole thing, that I could possibly be there someday, and and I, I don't I don't maybe promote I I don't do that because I don't know it just you know to me it's just not right for me to say anything about it you know it's only right for other people to talk about it. if they want to you know I could never say what Anthony Munoz says about me I I could never do that you know right. and it's it's not frustrating you know it's it's supposed to happen you know I believe that it'll happen and if it's not supposed to happen well you know what. You know, I take my blows the way they come, and I, I walk I walk through life with it. That's all. That's the way it is. Hey, Joe, and, and we're speaking to former Jet star Joe Klecko on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at Talk of Fame Net. And, Joe, since you mentioned you said your son has the three Super Bowl rings and you have none, roughly 73% of Hall, Hall of Famers play in either Super Bowl winners or NFL champions. Do you think if the Jets had won a Super Bowl, your candidacy would have been looked on differently? Well, I think without a doubt, especially because of the earlier years. Like, my 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 real formidable young years, you know, I played, and the Steelers were a dominant factor. And I was playing in, and L.C. Greenwood was, you know, uh, one of the uh, guys in front of me all the time to be voted on. And I think I missed the Pro Bowl, I think, four times by, like, one vote, you know. And it was all because of recognition, okay? And, of course, my early years, their late 70s, until we went to the playoffs. In 1981, we finally went to the playoffs and got beat in the first round by Buffalo. But, uh, you know, until then, you know, we, we we were, the you know, the media coverage, of course, was not what it is now. And we were doormats. You know, we were the Jets. And nobody thought much of us at that time. And, you know, I mean, I play against guys, whoever was the tackle I played against at the time, because Joey goes, I just can't believe, you know, how – how strong you are, and how how you come off the ball, and you know, those are the guys I'd get votes from, but I'd never hear from any of the guys on the West Coast or other the other conferences that I didn't play against because, you know, they had their their guys and their that they played against that were on Super Bowl te- winning teams, 
And that's who you voted for. You know, when you sit down in the room and you vote for, you didn't really know who to vote for. You voted for that guy because he won a Super Bowl, you know, or he mm-hmm. had a good stat year. Mm-hmm. And I never got any recognition from that until we started winning a little bit, you know. Right. And once we started going to playoffs, it came a little more. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, listen, you play in a Super Bowl, you draw attention. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, that kind of attention doesn't hurt you. And we ne- we never got that attention. Came close in, in 1982 in that uh, Dolphins AFC Championship game. Came close. Um, hey, Joe, we got to get running. Thanks so much for the time. you got two senior committee members on this phone call here. They're going to do what they can. But best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. Well, guys, I appreciate it. You know, and it would be nice to have my – I have three kids that uh, never see me play. My wife and I started – we had a little generation come along. And uh, it would be nice to see that happen. So I appreciate your – time and thank you thanks joe well that was former new york jet star defensive lineman joe klecko and okay guys as i said you're on the senior committee joe klecko is a senior candidate level with me what are his chances of getting in or or nominated in the near future in the distant future or ever Gooseman? i think he's near the top of the queue because the senior committee's put out 57 players in its history only four franchises have not been represented the colts Jets, Chargers, and Oilers. Either Klecko or Winston Hill is your top guy from the Jets. And I think, uh, you know, we got Tinglehoff through the room the other uh, couple years back, and he was the first Viking. I think we owe it to the Jets, the Colts, and Chargers to cycle one of their players through. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think for me personally, the one problem I have with Klecko is that Fred Smurlis was better. You know, Fred Smurlis was arguably the best nose tackle of his time. I mean, they uh, other coaches will tell you they used his, his his video as training film. You know, his name never comes up at all. So I think that's a little tough for me. Uh, but Klecko certainly accomplished a lot. Well, it looks like we can wait on Joe Klecko, but we can't wait on our next commercial or the two minute drill. That's coming up right after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is Kevin Mawai, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. <laughs> 